Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. We've got hurricanes in Texas. One about to hit Florida, then up into Georgia, and then probably either North Carolina or Tennessee. We've got wildfires in Montana and California. In fact, the one in Los Angeles is the biggest ever. We've just had an earthquake in Mexico, and they say it might create a tsunami in Hawaii. Where's God? Why would God allow natural disasters to occur? My nine-year-old niece, who was just here for my son's wedding last week, my son married a beautiful young woman from, from Southern Pines, North Carolina. My nine-year-old niece said, well, if God loved us, why wouldn't he stop a hurricane from destroying us? That's a great question from a nine-year-old. We're going to talk about that here this morning. We're live this morning. And by the way, those of you who uh, thought um, that I might be in Alabama tomorrow and Monday, we had to postpone Russellville, Alabama because of the storm. And so we're going to reschedule that, hopefully at a future date. In fact, I've got parents and a sister, a brother-in-law, and a nephew in Fort Myers, Florida. Yesterday, they were trying to get out of there. And they can't. The roads are too jammed up. There's not any fuel pretty much south of Orlando. They could get on the road and have to turn around and come back because they're going to sit in traffic, run out of gas, and then what? So it's a pretty much a disaster down there in Florida. It's going to be a bigger disaster once Irma hits. The question is, where is God? Well, I want to ask everybody to pray for everybody in Florida and, of course, anywhere else the storm hits and continue to pray for the people in Texas. But the question does arise, where is this good God that we claim exists? And why wouldn't he stop this? My nine-year-old niece is saying, look, if he loves us, why wouldn't he stop it? Now, before we get into this, Let me point out that this problem, which really is a problem, uh, part of the problem of evil, if there is a good God, why is there evil in the world? It's not just a head problem, it's also a heart problem. It's emotional, not just intellectual. So when a hurricane comes in and destroys your property and may take a life, someone you love, you don't need somebody like me who's going to give you the head answer. You don't need a philosopher, you need a pastor. So I want to say right now that as we go through some of the answers to these questions, we're going to point out that if you truly are going through pain, evil, and suffering right now, what I say at this point might not resonate. You don't need a philosopher. You need a pastor. But I will say this, that one of the first steps back to recovery is for you to intellectually know that evil, pain, and suffering A, do not disprove God, 
and B, as we'll see here in a minute, show that God actually does exist, and C, that he actually has a reason for the pain, evil, and suffering you're going through, even if you never discover what that reason is. So look, I just went through three points, A, B, and C. That's, that's not, not a really good start if you're, if you're going through pain, evil, and suffering. Again, you don't need a philosopher. You don't need A, B, and C. You need comfort. I understand that. But the first step back, or one of the first steps back to recovery is to intellectually know there's a reason for this, even if you never figure it out. So let's deal with the questions directly then. First of all, let's deal with the general problem of evil, whether it's a natural disaster or uh, just moral evil. In fact, there's, there's two major kinds of evil that we tend to talk about. One is moral evil. That's when, say, a person does something evil to another person. And then there's natural evil. That's when a hurricane comes in and, dis- and kills people or destroys property or... That's, that's, a, that's another kind of evil. That's natural evil. But let's just take evil in general. Does evil disprove God? And we've been through this on this program several times in the book, Stealing from God, Why Atheists Need God to Make Their Case. There's an entire chapter on this question. And I really think that when you're talking about any question like this, you really have to put things into perspective. And I like to put on one side... Imagine in your mind a a two-column chart. On one side, what is the evidence that God does exist? And on the other side, put, put forth what is the evidence that maybe God does not exist? And I think when you really look at this in context, you see so much evidence that God does exist that when you look at the problem of evil, which may suggest he doesn't, you might go, well, this kind of puts things in a new light. Let me just list some of the evidence that God does exist. Again, we don't have time to defend all this here. We defend it in the book, Stealing from God, and the other book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, and we've talked about it on this program several times. So I'm just going to list it now. We're not going to try and defend it, but I think this is evidence that God exists, and it turns out to be the God of Christianity. Not every one of these individual pieces of evidence shows you it's the God of Christianity, but cumulatively, when you put all the evidence together, it shows that the God of Christianity is the true God and that being does exist. So what is the evidence? Well, the beginning of the universe, the fine-tuning of the universe, the information found in DNA or in life. Life itself seems to be the product of intelligence. Consciousness and free will seems to point to something beyond just materials. The very fact that there's intelligence and we have the ability to reason out there, the laws of logic seem to require an immaterial intelligence source. The very laws of nature that even allow a hurricane to develop. Why are they so persistent and consistent? They seem to require the product of a mind, or they are the product of a mind. Laws of nature are orderly and consistent. The, the objective morality we all understand exists, that certain things are right and other things are wrong. Old Testament prophecy seems to indicate that at least portions of the Old Testament have some sort of divine source to them. And then Jesus himself, particularly his death and his resurrection, the fact that he rose from the dead, and of course he did other miracles as well, but if the resurrection's true, that seems to validate that Jesus was who he said he was, and it seems to say that the God that these other arguments point to is really the God of Christianity. Now, that's just some of the evidence for God. And on the other side of the ledger, many people will say the biggest argument against God is the problem of evil. There's too much evil in the world, so there can't be a good God. Now, Is that really an argument against God? The answer is 
No, it's actually an argument for God. Why? Because objective presupposes objective good, and objective good requires God. Because by definition, God's nature is what we mean by good. That's what the, that's, in fact, let me put it this way. Take the word God out of your vocabulary for just the next 60 seconds. Just, just leave the word God out because everybody has different conceptions of what God is. I just want you to put the, the word aside and I just want you to think of good. What do we mean by good? That essence. What is good? Does good exist? Is it, is it, is it an essence? And in my mind, good is an essence, just like justice is an essence. It's not made of molecules. It's an immaterial reality. Righteousness is an essence. Love is an essence. That's immaterial, but it really exists. It's not made of carbon and hydrogen and oxygen, but it really exists. Whatever is the ground of justice, of love, of goodness, is what we mean by God. Now you can apply the term God to that, to those things. That's what we mean when we, we use the word God. Part of what we mean is the ground of goodness, the ground of justice, the ground of love. If that actually exists and we all know it does, then God exists. See, there would be no such thing as evil unless there was good. And there'd be no such thing as good unless God existed. Now, I'll explain more of this on the other side of the break. We're talking about why would God allow natural disasters more in just two minutes. I'm Frank Turek. Don't go away. In Bhutan, where nearly 78% of the population is Buddhist, can the gospel of Jesus Christ make inroads? Hi, I'm Don Shank, director of the Thai Global Radio Ministry, and this is today's Global Update. Bhutan is relatively close to the gospel and is one of the least evangelized nations. But in 2012, the Tide Ministry began Christian broadcasting in Tsongkha, the official language of Bhutan. Please join us in praising God for pastors that are helping to transition curious listeners into committed believers who stand firm in their faith. A pastor who works with the Tide Partner Ministry in Bhutan recently shared this about a new believer. The listener and his wife are Buddhist, but listen to our radio program. Slowly they want to believe in the Lord and are interested in taking baptism. Please uphold them in your prayers. To find out how you can get involved in the Tide radio work and help us share the gospel in Bhutan and around the globe, visit thetide.org. That's thetide.org. Hello everyone, I'm Tim Wildman, President of American Family Association and American Family Radio. I know the first time I ever went to Israel, you land there in Tel Aviv, you get off the plane, you get out on the bus, you start driving through the plains of Sharon uh, outside of Tel Aviv, and you just pinch yourself, and you just say, am I really here? Am I really in the Holy Land, the land of the Bible? Or was this just a fairy tale I read about as a child? No, it's a real place. The Bible is true historically, and as we know, spiritually. So. If you want to join us on this trip to the place where you pinch yourself, we're going in March, March 8th through the 16th. All the information is available at the website twholyland.com. twholyland.com. If you want a free brochure sent to you in the mail, just call us at 800-FAMILIES. 
800-F-A-M-I-L-I-E-S, option 5. Doesn't God stop natural disasters? Where is God? Does a natural disaster show that God doesn't exist? We've got hurricanes. We've got earthquakes. We've got wildfires. Just in the past week here in the United States, the past two weeks, what is going on? And why doesn't God step in and stop them? And just before the break, we were talking about how evil... Whether it's moral evil, one person doing something wrong to another person, or natural evil, a natural disaster, we were pointing out that evil does not disprove God. It actually shows God does exist because evil is a lack in good. Evil is like rust in a car. If you take all the rust out of the car, you got a better car. If you take all the car out of the rust, you got nothing. Evil is like a wound in your arm. If you take the wound out of your arm, you got a better arm. If you take the arm out of your wound, you got nothing. In other words, evil doesn't exist on its own. It only exists as a lack or a deficiency or a parasite in a good thing. So if we're going to say that something's evil, whether it's moral evil or natural evil, then we have to presuppose good. But if we're going to presuppose good, then we're assuming God does exist because by definition, what we mean by God is the ultimate ground of good, the ultimate ground of justice, the ultimate ground of love. And C.S. Lewis famously said this because he was an atheist early on in his life because he thought there was too much injustice in the world. There was too much evil, either moral evil or natural evil. And he finally realized that was a mistake to think that because natural evil, natural disasters, or because moral evil, one person doing a wrong thing to another person, exists, that God doesn't exist. He said this, as an atheist, my argument against God was that the universe seems so cruel and unjust, but how would I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust? You see, if you're going to call a natural disaster or a moral evil unjust, you're presupposing justice. Well, if you're presupposing justice, you're presupposing God. That's what we mean by God. Now, how do we know it's the God of the Bible? Well, we, we, we look at cumulative arguments to realize that the ground of justice is, is the God of the Bible. But we, we don't get all the way there by just realizing there's injustice in the world. We realize there has to be a source of justice, and it turns out to be the God of the Bible. In fact, it's been put this way. I think C.S. Lewis made the same point. The shadows prove the sunshine. In order to have sunshine, well, let me say it another way. In order to have shadows, you have to have sunshine. I mean, you can have sunshine without shadows, but you can't have shadows without sunshine. You can have good without evil, but you can't have evil without good. So when we see a natural disaster, we all the evil that, that it creates or all the suffering and pain that it creates. And we go, things ought not be that way. If we're going to say they ought not be that way, then we're implying there is an ought. When we say something is unjust, we're implying justice. Something can't be unjust unless something is just. Something can't be not right unless something is right. Something can't be immoral unless something is moral. So the point here is, is that if we, if, if we think anything's evil, whether it's the pain caused by a natural disaster or the pain caused by one person murdering another person or a wrong that it's caused that way. Or if, if, if we think there's anything wrong with reality, then we're implying that there's something right. 
And if there's something right, that's what we mean by God's nature. So if evil exists, God exists. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it's true. If evil exists, God exists. Not because God is doing evil, but because God is the standard by which evil would even be possible. There'd be no such thing as evil unless there was good, and there'd be no such thing as good unless God existed. So we don't get rid of God because there's evil out there. Now we can ask the question, well, if God is going to allow a natural disaster, for what purpose does he do so? And do you know Jesus direct, uh, directly talked about this? Where? Where did Jesus talk about this? Go to Luke chapter 13. The beginning of Luke chapter 13, Jesus says, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? What's he talking about? Pilate apparently had mixed the blood of some people, Galileans, with the sacrifice. And Jesus is saying, Pilate killed them, and their blood was mixed with the sacrifices. Do you think that they were worse than other sinners? Because this is what happened to them, you know. They must have been bad people, in other words, if, if this bad thing happened to them. And Jesus says, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? And he says what? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Okay, that's an example of moral evil right there. That Pilate killed people and mixed their blood with the sacrifices. Then Jesus gives an example of natural evil, like a natural disaster. Here's what he says. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? Jesus says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Wow. What's the message here? The message here is, is that you need to repent. Don't think that just because a natural disaster happens to, to some people that they're, they were worse than you, they deserve it, and that's just just. They, they, they deserve that. And Jesus is saying, no, you deserve the same thing. Unless you repent, the same thing's going to happen to you. In other words, natural disasters and other kinds of evil can lead to our repentance. And that's part of why these things occur. Repentance. Jesus says, repent. The question isn't why do bad things happen to good people? Because Jesus' point is, well, there really are no good people. We're all fallen. We all deserve justice. And if we get justice, which <laughs> it means we're going to get judged. In fact, Jesus with the rich young ruler, when the rich young ruler called him good, he said, why do you call me good? There's none good but God. Now, he's not denying his deity. He's asking the rich young ruler to realize the implications of calling Jesus good. He's basically calling Jesus good because Jesus is God. By the way, that section of the scripture right there should disabuse anybody of the notion that they're a good person. Why? Because Jesus is saying there's none good but God. Only one is good, God. So if you're saying you're a good person, Jesus is saying, no, you're not. There's only one good God. Oh, you may be better than your neighbor, but you're still evil. I may be better than my neighbor, but I'm still evil. You can always compare yourself to somebody worse. So what? You're still evil. So the point here is, is that Jesus is saying natural disasters and even moral evil. One person committing murder against another can lead to repentance. Obviously not for the person dead. You go, what, are you, what about the person dying? How, how, is, how, how can that lead to a greater good? Because that's where you're going with this, Frank, that evil can lead to a greater good. Yeah, it can. But let me point this out. This life, as the Bible declares, is not heaven. Everything isn't going to go well here in this life. 
And if life ends at physical death, then there is no answer for some evil. Justice will not be done. So we can ask the question, why do good things happen to bad people? Why is there, why is there goodness and pleasure in the world? You ever think about that? Why is that? <laughs> goodness exists. Evil is a lack in goodness. So why is there goodness? Because there's a source of goodness, God. But if we're going to expect everything to go well in this life, then we have the wrong worldview. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people on TV, Christian, so-called Christian TV, are trying to say, well, you know, if you're, just, if you're not healthy and wealthy, you just don't have enough faith. What a bunch of bunk that is. Don't tell me. I mean, the whole word of faith theology can be refuted by one simple observation. What's that simple observation? Jesus and the apostles were not healthy and wealthy. They died brutal deaths for saying Christianity was true. Don't tell me they didn't have enough faith. No, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Paul says anybody, anybody who lives a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Yeah, exactly. And here we are thinking, well, if a bad things happen, if, if something ha bad happens to us, then, uh, then oh, gee, I just don't have enough faith. What, what nonsense! It's not that's not what the Scripture teaches at all. Jesus says, if something bad happens, you better repent because it might happen to you as well. The Babylon Bee. You guys know what the Babylon Bee is? It's a uh, it's a Christian satire site. Uh, some brilliant headlines. <laughs> I was just reading one the other day. Here it is. Joel Osteen sails luxury yacht through flooded Houston to pass out copies of your best life now. <laughs> you got to read the article. It's a riot. And it's just satire to point out the nonsense of the word of faith movement. Absolute nonsense. The word of faith movement doesn't preach in Syria. It doesn't preach in Iraq. It doesn't preach in Houston right now. It's not going to preach in Florida tomorrow because it's not true. Bad things do happen. Now, why would God allow bad things to happen? Jesus says partially to bring you to repentance. In fact, I was at Michigan State a number of years ago doing I don't have enough faith to be an atheist presentation. And I knew there was an atheist in the audience for the entire session because he sat there with his arms folded, didn't crack a smile once, and I had some pretty good jokes in my presentation. Anyway, toward the end of the presentation, when I took questions, he fired up his hand and he said, if there is a good God, why doesn't he stop all the evil in the world? And I said, sir, that is an excellent question. Maybe because if he did, he might start with you and me because we do evil every day. You ever notice that when we start complaining about evil, we're always complaining about somebody else doing it? When it comes to moral evil, hey, why doesn't God stop him or why doesn't God stop her? We never think about ourselves. If God wanted to stop all the evil in the world, he could do so immediately and he could, he could just take away our free will. He could end us. He could stop our ability to do anything. And I showed at, the point, at, at that point a little video, which I've shown quite a bit, and you can see on our website, it's called Is God Good? It was developed by a friend of mine here at Southern Evangelical Seminary, Jim Zangmeister. And if you watch that little video, he points out that, that evil is ultimately caused by human free choice. All the way back to the fall, it introduced a curse on reality, on the universe. 
And some evil comes through, well, originally evil, the fall before the fall was Satan, we know that. And then, of course, the fall of Adam. And that led to a world, those falls led to a world, a fallen world, where bad things happen. And they happen in terms of people using their free will for evil, and they happen in terms of natural disasters causing us pain, death, suffering. Um, God could end all that by taking away our free will, and he will end all that when he takes us to heaven, where we'll still have free will, but we won't want to sin because we'll have nothing to sin for. And we won't lack anything. They'll, you know that, That's why you sin, by the way. You... You're trying to get something good in an illicit manner. And as we see when we'll come back from the break, there are three sources of evil. Three sources, three reasons why natural disasters or other kinds of evil can occur. And we're going to talk about it when we come back and give you some more insights as to why God allows natural disasters. I hope they're good insights anyway. I'm Frank Turk. You're listening to Cross-Examine with Frank Turk right here on the American Family Radio Network. We're back in two minutes. Don't go away. In America today, religious freedom, national borders, and even traditional gender roles are in peril. With all that's happening in our world, our nation is in desperate need of a return to conservative values. Hello, I'm Buddy Smith, Senior Vice President of American Family Association. One of the best ways we can make a difference is with our vote. That's why each year the American Family Association is a sponsor of the Values Voters Summit to help increase cultural engagement. This year's Values Voters Summit will be October 13th through the 15th in Washington, D.C. The growing list of confirmed speakers includes people you hear on AFR like Ed Vitagliano and Tony Perkins, as well as Michelle Bachman, George Barna, Gary Bauer, the Benham Brothers, and more. The Values Voter Summit is sponsored in part by AFA Action. To learn more and to register, you can visit valuesvotersummit.org. It's common sense. Don't touch a hot stove and look both ways before crossing a busy street. It's common sense. Men don't belong in women's restrooms or changing areas. Target is ignoring common sense. Target continues their reckless and dangerous policy, allowing men into their women's restrooms and changing areas. Don't shop at Target. Protect your wives, daughters, and family. Now that's common sense. Sign the pledge to boycott Target. Visit AFA.net. Hi, this is Sandy Rios of Sandy Rios in the Morning. These are troubling times in the world, but as Christians, we understand that we are not without hope. That's why I am excited to join you each morning here on American Family Radio to dissect the news of the day. Depend on me to keep my finger on the pulse of what's happening in Washington, D.C. and beyond, equipping you to fight the good fight wherever you live. Sandy Rios in the Morning, weekdays at 7 Central on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Cross Examined with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. Our website, crossexamined.org. That's crossexamined with the D on the end of it.org. We're talking about natural disasters today. Why does God allow them? Before I get back to that topic, uh, I was going to be in Alabama tomorrow and uh, Monday, but due to the weather situation, the natural disaster, the act of God, that's going to be postponed. I do hope to get to. The Truth Conference next weekend, September 15th and 16th, Friday and Saturday, in Greenwell Springs at Greenwell Springs Baptist Church, uh, Greenwell Springs, uh, Louisiana. That's uh, 
That's right there uh, near Baton Rouge. Tony Perkins is behind that of the Family Research Council. I hope to see you guys out there. There will be several other speakers as well. So if you're in the Baton Rouge area next weekend, look for me there. And then I'm going to be in Penn State doing I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist on the 21st of September. That's a Thursday. The following week at Winthrop University right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, where I am now. Uh, for another I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist presentation, check the website, crossexamine.org. Check events, uh, and you'll see Frank Turk calendar there, and I hope to see you out on the road. Let's go back to our topic, that the topic of today, Why Does God Allow Natural Disasters? There are three ways that evil can be introduced in the, into the world. One is human free will. Now, human free will makes love possible, but also creates the possibility for evil. So a lot of evil in the world is caused by human beings doing evil to one another. And human free will and Satan's free will, that's the second kind of free will that can cause evil, has brought a fall onto creation. And so God has a solution to that we're going to get to, but there's a fall. And bad things do happen because of Satan's free choice and humanity's free choice at the beginning. So you've got human free will, which causes some evil. You've got Satan's free will. Demonic forces may be allowed by God to produce a greater good. If you look at the whole book of Job, you can see that Satan has a certain amount of free will that God allows him to exercise. And then the final kind of free will that can cause evil actually is God's free will. In other words, he doesn't do evil directly, but he allows evil to produce a greater good. For example, if you look at uh, an example in in the scriptures would be uh, Joseph of the Old Testament in Genesis 50. It comes to a culmination in Genesis 50. You know, Joseph in the Old Testament was sold into slavery by his brothers. And he he, he was actually wound up in Egypt and he rose to prominence in Egypt. He had a lot of power in Egypt and he put aside a lot of grain. Years later, his family, the very family that sold him into slavery, his own brothers, escaped a famine in Israel, came to Egypt, and they met Joseph. And Joseph could have exacted revenge on them, but he didn't. What he said was, what you meant for evil, God meant for good, the saving of many lives. So evil can actually lead to good later, and Joseph gives us a, an example of that. And, of course, the greatest evil ever done to a truly innocent person brings forth the greatest good. What, what is that? The evil put forth on Jesus in terms of his torture and, and, and his death. He was an innocent person, yet that evil, which he allowed us to inflict on him, led to the greatest good, our salvation. So God can allow free will for the purposes of love and also the purposes of evil. He can allow it, and he can bring good from it. Now, it's true that some evil may be judgment for disobedience, right? It, it may be that, uh, that a natural disaster is a judgment for disobedience, but God hasn't told us that such and such a natural disaster is. So what we do is we say, look, we all need to repent. He hasn't given us any special revelation that says such and such a hurricane or such and such an earthquake or such and such a tsunami is judgment for, for X, Y, or Z. He hasn't done that. He may have done that on occasion in the, in the Bible, but not since then. So we say, as Jesus said, unless you repent, you too will perish. And of course, there's judgment for some of our own sins. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 1, that yes, Certain things may happen, the natural consequence of sin. So you have human free will, you have Satan's free will, you have God's free will. He allows things to occur. 
Now, I, I mentioned all this at Michigan State, going back to the story I was telling you prior to the break. I had an atheist asking me questions, why is there evil? And he said, okay, I can see how some free will can, can, can cause evil, but um, that doesn't answer everything. Like, why do babies die? I mean, they didn't do anything wrong. And I said, sir, the only way we can answer why certain evils occur and what is the purpose for certain evils, in other words, is we got to know what the purpose of life is. Because if we don't know the purpose of life, there can't be a purpose for any evil. In fact, there can't be a purpose for anything. You can't say something is good or bad unless you know what the purpose is. For example, you can't say that a, a touchdown is better than an interception in a football game unless you know what the purpose of the game is. If there's no purpose to the game, you can't say it. Touchdown is better than an interception. If there's no purpose, those, those plays have no, there's no goodness or badness to them in a moral or practical sense. They're just, they just, they just are what they are unless there's a purpose to the game. If there is a purpose to the game, then you can say, okay, a touchdown for your team is better than an interception for your team. If, you're, if your team throws a touchdown, that's better than if your team throws an interception because we know the purpose. Same thing is true in life. Unless there's a purpose to life, you can't say there's a good way to live it or a bad way to live it. Now, what is the purpose of life? Is it to be happy? Is it to get stuff? Is it to have fun? Is it to be healthy and wealthy? Uh, no. Turn off your so-called Christian TV and read the scriptures. The purpose of life is to know God and to make him known. Jesus says this is eternal life in John 17, 3, that they, meaning us, may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. In other words, the purpose of life is to know God and to make him known. And not just know him intellectually, but know him personally, know him volitionally. Here's the problem, though. Knowing and growing in God often requires pain. Pain. C.S. Lewis put it this way. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to arouse a deaf world. Think about this, ladies and gentlemen. When are you more apt to turn to God? When everything's going your way? or when things start going wrong, either via moral evil or natural evil. There's a lot of people praying right now in Florida, rightfully so. There's a lot of people praying in Texas. There's a lot of people praying in Mexico. I know people right now are going through horrific problems, relational problems. A friend of mine told me he's never prayed more in the past week. He's never been closer to God than in the past week. Sometimes, as C.S. Lewis said, you only look up when you're on your back. And if we're going to become more like Christ, which is the purpose of life, to know God and to make him known, to become more like him, pain, trial, suffering causes us to look to God. It drives us to his word. It humbles us. It helps us to realize that we have weaknesses and needs. I mean, think about this, ladies and gentlemen. If you got everything you wanted every time, if everything went your way 100% of the time, what would you become morally? I know me, I'd become even more of a moral monster than I already am. If everything went my way every time, it would become more and more about me. I mean, what do we call children who get everything they want? Yeah, we call them spoiled. Why? What's spoiled about them? Their character's spoiled. If you want to ruin some kid, you just give that kid everything he or she wants. You will ruin them. In other words, we need a certain amount of frustration. We need a certain amount of pain, a certain amount of evil, a certain amount of suffering in this life if we're going to become more and more like Jesus. If we get everything we want every time, we become more and more like Satan in our current state, in our fallen state. I mean, think about it. We're naturally bent toward evil. We're naturally bent toward selfishness. You don't need to tell a two-year-old 
to be selfish. He already is. You need to tell him to be selfless. We're naturally bent toward evil. We're naturally bent toward selfishness. So pain and suffering can humble us. It enables us also to comfort others. It makes us appreciate our blessings. It fuels our growth to become more like Christ. If you think about this, ladies and gentlemen, if you think about where have you grown the most? What uh, have all of life lessons? Let me ask you this. Out of all of life's lessons, do you learn more from pain and suffering than you do from pleasure? What, what, what lessons have you learned from pleasure? Crickets. What lessons do you learn from pain and suffering? How do you grow more from pleasure or from pain and suffering? I think you grow a lot more from pain and suffering. The scriptures bear this out. I mean, James says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Count it all joy. Do you count it all joy when you fall into various trials? I don't. James is saying do so. And James experienced the ultimate trial. He was actually martyred for his faith. Paul says in Romans 5, we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. You glory in tribulation? I don't. Paul says do it because you're going to come out better on the other end. In fact, if you think about this, some virtues can only be developed through pain and suffering. It's hard to develop courage without danger. Look at all the people down in Houston who helped one another out, risked their lives to help one another. I mean, they grew through that. It's hard to develop perseverance without obstacles. You can get real soft when everything goes well for you, but when you have to go through difficulty, you can develop perseverance. You can develop character. It's hard to develop compassion without suffering or patience without tribulation. It's hard to develop character without adversity or faith without need. Trust is a better word than faith because we tend to think faith is blind. No, faith isn't blind. What faith really means is to trust. Trust in Jesus. After you know that, he's the Savior. It's hard to trust in Jesus if you think you can get there on your own. That's why Jesus said it's difficult for a rich man to get to heaven. Didn't say it was impossible. He said it was difficult. Why? Because we tend to trust in ourselves. It's the old adage, no pain, no gain. It's actually true. Actually, what's more true is more pain, more gain. The more difficulty you go through, the more you enhance your capacity to become more like Jesus. The more you enhance your capacity to enjoy God. And as I said earlier, look, if this life ends at physical death, then there's no purpose for some pain and suffering. But it go, if, if you go on into eternity and the things that happen here on earth help other people know Christ and then it ushers them into eternity with Christ, then... So many issues of pain and suffering can be explained. There's a purpose to them. And Paul says at the end of 2 Corinthians 4, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians, he says this, for our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. In other words, you got to live with an eternal perspective. Yes, there are things that happen. People die. People are dying right now as these natural disasters come ashore. These hurricanes. And if, if physical death ends it, well, there's no way to say that this evil has any good. But if physical death, death it doesn't end it, if there's a purpose beyond death, then 
What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It can bring forth great good in eternity and some good right here on Earth. In fact, we'll talk about that when we get to the ripple effect in the next section. You're not going to want to miss when we talk about the ripple effect. It really helped me with this problem of evil. Hopefully it will help you as well. You're listening to Cross-Examined with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network, our website, crossexamined.org. We're back in two minutes. Dove of Dove Soap. They released an ad with a transgender mother as part of its new Real Moms campaign celebrating motherhood. Now, I I hate to point out the obvious here. Janet Mefford. But a guy can't be a mother. I don't care if you wear a wig and put on a dress and talk in a high voice and put on makeup. It doesn't make you a woman to be a man being a woman who isn't really a woman. You can't conceive a baby with two women. This is just madness. Join me for Janet Mefford Live, weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. Hello, friend. I'm Pastor Ron Jones, and I'm glad to tell you something good has come to American Family Radio. Something Good is a daily half-hour Bible teaching program that I'm hosting at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. In a world full of so much bad news, we're glad to bring you Something Good. Learn more at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. feel so hopeless. hopeless. Is there any hope? I, I just feel like there's no hope at all. Is there any hope? Get hope. Get hope. Several years ago, I met Pat Morley, the author of The Man in the Mirror. That's TWR president, Lauren Libby. Now, he made a statement to the effect that life demands more than we have to give it. And I caught myself agreeing with him. But how do I respond? The Bible says, praise the Lord, for it's good to sing praises to our God. For he is gracious, and a song of praise is good. Praising God has a healthy therapeutic effect on our souls. It enables Him to heal broken hearts and restore personal hope. When was the last time you took some time to say thank you and praise Jesus for who He is and what He's done for us? Spiritual transformation starts with praise, and that leads to hope. Need more hope? We have resources waiting for you, including a free devotional. You'll find them at GetHopeRadio.com. That's GetHopeRadio.com. You know, one question that um, we're asking here today is why does God allow national, uh, national, oh yeah, national disasters, and also natural disasters, why does God allow them? Why doesn't he stop them? But did you ever think about this? How do we know God doesn't stop them? How do we know he hasn't stopped a thousand in the past year? We don't. But then one occurs and we go, well, why didn't God stop this one? And we've been trying to answer that question today. And I want to point out um, something that really helped me on this issue of evil. Because some evil you look at, you go, I just can't see how any good can come from that. I mean, if you're saying that evil can lead to good, I just, I, I, I can't see it. In fact, the, the atheist that I've been telling you about at Michigan, at, at Michigan State, uh, he and I went back and forth several times. And at, at one point he said, okay, I can see how some good, how, how some good can come from evil, but there's some evil out there known as gratuitous evil, meaning that evil occurs and we just, we can't see how any good come, can come from it, like a baby dying or someone dies some horrific death. I mean, how is that going to lead to good some, at some point, even in eternity? How, how does that work? I mean, how, how can that happen? I can't see any good for it, he said. I, I can't see how it can lead to good. And I said, well, sir, how, how could you know it couldn't lead to good? I mean, here you are locked inside a time. If there is a God 
And if you're, by the way, if you're claiming something's evil, then there is a God because, as I mentioned earlier, evil wouldn't exist unless good existed and good wouldn't exist unless God existed. So when you're saying there's too much evil in the world, there can't be a good God, you're stealing from God while you're arguing against him. That's the subject of the book, Stealing from God, Why Atheists Need God to Make Their Case. But if you're going to say that there's too much evil in the world and there can't be a good God, and, 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 and by the way, I can't see how any good can come from a particular evil, then you're actually claiming to have the knowledge of God. You're claiming to be outside of time, and you can see how all things work together, both in time and in eternity, and, you, and, you, and you're saying, I can't see how any good can come from it. You, you can't know that. You don't have that kind of capacity. I don't have that kind of capacity. But there is something that can help us realize why we can't know that. And it's something called the ripple effect. What's the ripple effect? The ripple effect it, it, it means that every event that occurs affects trillions of other events into the future. In other words, it ripples forward. This is sometimes called the butterfly effect or chaos theory. And what does that mean? It means that the, that the hurricane right now that's about to hit Florida, Hurricane Irma, right now it's about to hit Florida apparently. Let's pray it doesn't, but it looks like it will. That that hurricane could have been caused ultimately by a butterfly flapping its wings in South Africa, which created a ripple of events that ultimately led to the formation of a hurricane. A domino effect. Well, we can't trace all those ripples. Why? We don't have the capacity to do so. But a being outside of time who can see the end from the beginning can trace all that. The same thing is true with events that occur here today. Why does a hurricane hit, hit Florida? And, and maybe somebody dies. I can't see any good from that, perhaps, on this side of eternity. But if that death actually ripples forward into the future to affect people in time in the future and even eternity, God can see how good can come from it, even if I can't. It's what I mentioned earlier about Joseph and his brothers. They sold him into slavery, but that evil act rippled forward into the future and actually helped them later when they wound up in Egypt going, hey, we need, we need food. Joseph was there to help them. And he said, God meant it for good. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So things can ripple forward into the future even when we can't see how they ripple forward. In fact, at Michigan State that night, there was a man who was sitting about 10, foot from, 10 feet from this atheist, and he raised his hand as the atheists and I were going back and forth. And, and I said, uh, yes, sir, go ahead. And he said, I know of a woman who was raped, and the rape nearly destroyed her. But this woman decided that she was not going to punish the baby for the sin of the father because the woman was pregnant as a result of the rape. And then his voice began to crack, and he said, this woman gave birth to this baby who turned out to be a boy. And this boy grew up to be a, a pastor. At this point, the guy's crying in front of everybody right there at Michigan State. And he said, and that pastor has led many people to Christ and has discipled many people in Christ. And he said, that baby grew up to be me. 
And then he looked over at the atheist and he said, if my mom can bring good from evil, so can God. And I went, you're dismissed. I mean, what else could I say after that? The guy had a better answer than I did to this issue of evil. The ripple effect. The pastor was born of rape and he's led many to Jesus and has, sac- and, and, and has, and has sanctified many in Jesus, had helped them become disciples. There's an example of the ripple effect right there, an evil act leading to good. We can't always see that. In his life, he could see it. We can't see it, but God can. And probably the most profound thing I've ever seen, I've ever read on this topic was from a pastor uh, in Notre Dame out there in Paris many years ago. He said this, if God would concede me his power for 24 hours, you would see how many changes I would make in the world. But if he gave me his wisdom too, I would leave things as they are. Yeah, God can bring good from evil even if we can't see it. Now, there's something else evil going on right now. My friend Nabil Qureshi is dying, and I need you to pray for him. He's in MD Anderson right now, and uh, the doctors have given up treating him anymore. They're just trying to make him comfortable. He needs a miracle. And as we close this program, I'd like you to hear uh, what he just put on YouTube just uh, a day or two ago. Why don't you... Why don't you pray what Nabil has said here. Devin, go ahead. Hello, everyone. This is Nabil. wanted to give you a quick update where we are. Uh, not the best news. The doctors have pretty much given up on treating me. Um, they think my body is in its final stages of life. And so they have suggested palliative care. And... Um, that's what we're doing. We are just doing comfort measures. For example, right now, the doctors have decided no more calories for me for a few days. And if that means bad things happen, then bad things happen. So it's looking pretty grim. I could really use your prayers. If we want the Lord to come through and do a miracle, it needs to happen in the next few days. Um, yeah, I know that's dire news, but I figured I'd share it with you so I can have your prayers. And if there's something that I'm kind of wrestling with through all this, it's where does my faith need to be versus I as a believer and a real person, where can I actually find my faith? Um, In other words, do I need to perform? Do I need to say, I'm going to have this level of faith right now? And honestly, I don't think so. I think God understands where I am right now. And he comes alongside us in that. And he loves us and he gives us the strength 
for today. So that's where I am right now. Again, I'd really appreciate your prayers. Let's go ahead and pray together now. Father, we come before you, trusting you even now for a miracle. We know that John 11 uses those exact words, even now. You can do a miracle. And we saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. We see the Lord in Genesis 22, rescue Isaac at the very last second. We see the dead girl raised from the dead. Luke 7, we see a boy raised from the dead. So God is able. God is more than able. And I'm just going to rest in that as best I can. Lord, we know you are able. Please heal. Please come through. But if it shouldn't be your will, your sovereign will at the end of the day, then I trust you. And I love you anyway. We praise you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. I'm going to upload this and see how MD Anderson's Wi-Fi does. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. That's my friend, Nabil Qureshi. Please pray for him. And pray God's will would be done. We pray for healing, but as Nabil said, if healing doesn't come, we still trust in Jesus and we know he can bring good from evil, if not here and in eternity, the ripple effect. And please pray for the people in Houston, the people in Florida, the people in Montana, the people in California, the people around the world who experience evil through natural disasters. God can bring good from evil. Even if we can't see how, sometimes we need to trust in Him. See you next time, folks. God bless.